Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I want to thank all three of you who listened to the announcements. I know it's hard. It's hard to fellowship and listen to announcements at the same time. It's always been the problem with announcements. But they're important. You can catch them online. Go on the website, on our Facebook. All of that's available to you. Let's say this with me. Holy Spirit. I just knew you were going to be here this morning. (laughs) Some of you didn't even risk saying that, did you? It's like, I don't know what he's going to say, and I don't know if I want to repeat it. So let's try it again. Holy Spirit, I just knew you were going to be here this morning. (laughs) Oh, wow. I want to congratulate New Wine this morning. New Wine, last night, celebrated their second anniversary on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock back in the prayer room back here. I would encourage you, if you want just a kind of an intimate way of worshiping the Lord together, 6 o'clock on Saturday nights. Thank you, Kiana. I don't think she's in the house this morning. You guys probably went so late last night she couldn't, couldn't make it. She in, she in the house this morning? No? Not here? But I see others who are, so it's good, Christian. Thank you so much for your, both your leaderships uh, during this time. Amen. It's really precious. It helps salt the atmosphere for in here on Sunday mornings. I also want to thank Katie and the team for uh, Friday night. The well was so rich. Wow. Man, I would really encourage you, don't miss the next one. It was so, so rich. Nobody wanted to leave. We just lingered in the presence. So quiet, beautiful, sweet, rich. Yeah, as Deb says, deep and wide. So good. Haven't been able to get a song out of my heart this morning. We didn't do it Friday night. Clady Keith taught us that if you wake up in the morning singing or humming or a song in your heart that wasn't there, when you worshiped with others the night before or the day before, then it's something that God's wanting to do or a way he wants to reveal himself to us. And uh, boy, this morning, uh, thank you, worship team. Dear God, thank you. Mm. So rich. I'm undone. The song that keeps going through my mind is a Steve Fry song. An old friend of ours wrote it years ago, Oh, the glory of his presence. We, your temple, give you reverence. So arise from your rest and be blessed by our praise as we glory in your embrace as your presence now fills this place. Oh, the glory. Mm. Oh, the glory of your presence. We, your 
temple give you reverence. So arise from your rest and be blessed by our praise as we glory in your embrace as your presence now fills this place come on just worship him do would you just worship him just worship in the glory or the presence of your glory lord mm. And be blessed by our praise as we glory in your embrace. As your presence now fills this place. Lord, we don't want to ever forget that you're here that it's your presence that makes the difference. It's your glory that changes us, transforms us, moves us from where we were to where we are, takes us from where we are to where you want us to be. It's your glory. It's your presence. It distinguishes us from every other gathering in the world. It's when your people call by your name Come, twos and threes. There you are. There you are. You're here. Give us fresh perspective, Lord, that you're in the room. Never let us rely on our exuberance or our wisdom. our enthusiasm or our voice but on the fact that you're here yeah right time to go (laughs) wow There are times when silence is really golden, isn't it? I do want to talk this morning about a word that's become popular again. And I'm really thankful for it. And it's a word that that I'm, I'm seeing spoken by young people, which has surprised me. It's a word we hear coming out of um, these things on college campuses that some are calling revival, some are calling awakening. It's a move of God. It doesn't matter what you call it. I read a, an article recently. I saw an article titled, you know, the uh, Asbury College. They've changed their schedule. So they're not meeting constantly all the time, which I think was really wisdom on their part. 
but the article started, said the revival at Asbury comes to an end. So that's the problem when you think revivals are meetings. And as long as you think revival is meeting to, is our meetings where God shows up, I love the meetings where God shows up. He said he would. But revival is the stirring of the hunger in the hearts of people for the manifest presence of Jesus. It's the stirring of the hearts of people to go from where they've been going to where they need to be going. It's a stirring of the heart of people to really know the God that loves them. That really is what revival is. And what's happened in Asbury and these other colleges, though they may change their schedules, what's happening in their hearts has not stopped. And it will impact, already has begun to impact the world. The world. I know it's impacted me. It's, it's touched my heart in a way that hasn't, that I've longed for for a while. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. Uh, but the word that has been coming out of the mouths of some of these young, precious, precious young people is repentance. Wow. Repentance. You know, it's a, it's a powerful meaning, word. It's an intense word. But it's often misapplied and misunderstood. And it's, it's really not been a real popular word, right? Um, mainly because it's... it's Perceived meaning and purposes is off. Uh, and it sounds, it sounds and feels negative, right? And we hear it said with a harsh, judgmental voice. Repent! <laughs> like we hear, God so loved. Repent! Come on, am I telling the truth? Huh? It's how we hear it most of the time, and even in our thinking. But the truth is that it's one of the greatest expressions of the love of God. Repentance is a gift from God. So I want to talk about that this morning and, and bring us back to an understanding, a scriptural understanding of what repentance really is. There are times you see it often, especially in the New Testament, where it says, repent and. And the purpose of repentance in all of these places is, is because God wants something better for us. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not because he's angry at us. Because his heart breaks for us. Huh? Time to go. So let's talk about repentance. Let's, the word repentance in the New Testament means to perceive afterward, which is an interesting thought. In other words, to perceive after you've already headed some direction, you perceive that's not the direction to go, right? To change your mind purposefully or to turn. It means being awakened to the truth that the way we have been heading, thinking, or acting is the way of destruction. It's the way contrary to our true nature in Christ. It's, it's unhealthy, it's hurtful to others, and it's hurtful to ourselves. It's awakening to the fact that the direction we're heading isn't a good direction. It's not healthy for us, and it's not who we really, really are. You know, it could be the way I treat my wife. It could be the way I'm treating my children, or 
disciplining my children. It could be the way I think about myself. The way I speak about myself. I heard a quote the other day from uh, Bishop Garlington. It says, you are where you are because you said something that brought you there. Wow. Whew, that's enough. Let's go home. You are where you are because you said something that brought you there. You've been thinking things about yourself, saying things about yourself. Your self-talk has been not what God would say about you. And you awaken to that in repentance. Repentance is waking to that. Maybe excusing our attitudes or rebellion is no big thing, you know, because we kind of get used to the way we're moving along. And, but we're awakened. Repentance awakens us to the fact that that's, that's really not the best way to go. Not a good thing. And this is all, this is all one side of repentance. It's, it's the turning away from. When we are awakened to something and we recognize, ah, this is not the way to go. So we turn away from it. That's the one side of repentance. There's the other side. And that is the turning to side. Turn from, but we turn some direction, Right? And often we'll turn from where we've been going, but we don't really realize where we need to turn to. And by not turning to, we end up right back where we were. Right? Okay. Am I, am I talking to myself? Have you ever had a moment when you see something that is familiar to you, but you see it in a new way, and it just opens up your world? And you think, I've known this all my life, but I didn't recognize that. Well, that's been my experience over the last couple of weeks in this area of repentance. It's been a glorious journey. And I think one of the best ways to do it is to look at Scripture. And let's go to the story that's very familiar to all of us. It's the story of the prodigal son. And I'm going to read a portion of it. And I want you to listen to it in a new, fresh way. I don't want you to think, I know what the next verse is going to say. So you don't hear it. Right? Listen to it with fresh ears. Put your hands on your ears. Lord, bless our ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. All right. So, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In those days, it was possible to give your inheritance before your death. It's not unusual. Usually it was the other way, but it was not. It was done. So he divided to them, both of his sons, his livelihood. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of this country, who sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. It was a pretty desperate situation. But when he came to himself, say, came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and despair? Say it with me. Bread enough and to spare. And I perish with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father said to him, saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead, still alive again. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again, and he, lo- and he was lost and is now found. And they began to be merry. The party started. Here's what I want us to see here. The son repented. Right? He awakened Do you think that you're smart enough to awaken yourself? Says he awakened himself. Listen, we don't just awaken ourselves. We are awakened by God. Yeah, but the Bible says, well, he's telling a story here. We know from the rest of scripture that every good thing starts in him, not in us. But it's interesting to me, and one of the revelations I've had over the last few weeks is that while he was in, still in the pig pen, Say it this way. It is the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in the pig farm, he made a way, he made a pathway for us that began to draw us. And it was the goodness of God that awakens us and it's the goodness of God that draws us. How do I know that even in this story? Well, look at, look at what he says. My father is so good. What does he awaken to? He awakens to his father. He's awakened by the goodness of his dad. My father is so good that even his servants have enough and more than enough. He, what, when, when it says that The goodness of God brings us to repentance. There's two things about that. One, it's the goodness of God that awakens us. We reckon God's God's good. And it's his goodness that then draws us to him. (laughs) My father is good. 
It's the Father's goodness that awakens him and awakened his goodness. It was the Father's goodness that brought him to go towards his Father. Because the Father is the one that stands at the door and knocks. It's God who's standing at the door and knocking. You get this? Before we ask him to knock, he's knocking. Before you looked for him, he was already looking for you. The father stands at the door looking down the pathway. He's waiting. He's been looking. That look has been drawing the sun towards him. Before you said yes to him, he said yes to you. Before you prayed to him, he called out to you. He was, he's, the word, it's a word I learned years ago that he's previous. He's previous. He's in front of us. He's ahead of us. He's drawing us to him. When we, when we are awake and we're repenting of what we, the way we've been going because we recognize the call that there's something better than the way we've been going. <laughs> and then we notice where he turns. He turns to his father. He turns to his father. My father is so good that even his servants have enough and more than enough. That's how good my father is. So when I get up out of this pig pen, I'm not just gonna try to figure out how, a, how, how to have a neater pink pen. I'm gonna go to my father. I'm not gonna just try to scrounge around and find something to eat among the pigs. I'm gonna go to my father. Because he's good. <laughs> here's, the, here's the part that just rocks me. When he comes to the Father, what does he come to? He comes to an embrace. I was sitting down here a couple of Sundays morning, and the Lord whispered to me and said, Repentance isn't, about turning, isn't so much about turning from, it's about turning into my embrace. My embrace. word says that he kissed him the word the, the Greek actually means continuously kissed him he couldn't stop kissing his son all the time his son was trying to say son dad I've, I'm, I've been terrible I've messed up things I've ruined the reputation of the family I've done all these kind of things and just make me a servant but the father wasn't even listening he was just kissing he's just kissing and hugging and, and it's not a reluctant embrace or a conditional embrace. The father didn't wait for the whole speech to even come out. He just kissed and hugged, embraced. I don't think he was even listening to his son. Didn't matter what his son said. Wasn't about how, how low his son could sound or how repentant his son could sound. Didn't matter to him. His son was once dead and now is alive. When we, when we repent, when we're awakened and we, react and we respond to that awakening, here's the key. When we respond to the awakening and we turn to the Father, we will not turn to one who is waiting to see if we'll improve. Have you learned your lesson? 
But look, look at what, what the son was expecting. When you listen to the son, words of the son, he was expecting to come back to some kind of payback for his behavior, right? Punishment for his rejection of the father. I think if we, if we really understood what impact this young man's life had on the reputation of the family, on the embarrassment of his father, and that he went to a, into the, another country and he just wasted all that his father had saved to present to him and had given him. This young man didn't just make a simple mistake. This young man purposed to rebel against his father. Father didn't care. It wasn't about his reputation. And, and he, he wasn't there for punishment. He expected a demotion from his position as the son. He did. He said, just make me a servant. I, I, I no longer am worthy as a son. But make, at least make me your servant. And this is what his expectations were. He expected to no longer have his place in the family. And his place at the table with the family. He didn't expect it. He was sure that he'd lost it all and was just hoping that his father was good enough to make him his servant. But here's what he found. He knew his father was good, but he didn't know he was that good. He didn't know he was that good. You and I, we know he's good, but we just don't understand how good he really is. (laughs) Come on. Some of you in this room, you, don't, you just still think you, you don't have a place at the table. Because you don't still understand the goodness of your father. You've turned from, but have fully turned to. Because you, you remember a dad that was angry. You remember a dad that would make you pay. But that's not our father. He's already taken care of all of that. There's a place at the table for you. He was restored to full sonship, given the ring of sonship, recognized as the family, the family ring. The robe. And they had a party. And they brought the calf that they had been preparing for a special occasion. He wouldn't let the son be a servant. He said, no, you're not my servant. You're my son. You belong in the family. You belong at the table with the special calf. The special calf. All you vegetarians out there, eat your heart out. Listen, there, there's, a, there's a childlikeness to repentance we need to understand. Not a childishness. The childishness, you know, that says, he touched me. He came across the line. 
He got a bigger gift than I did. The childishness of the elder brother. That's childishness. But there's a childlikeness to coming to the Father and welcoming his embrace. Oh, the glory of his presence. And I've shared this story before, but I'll share it again. I've been speaking long enough. You're going to hear double stuff. Somebody asked me last night, it was Christian asked me, how long have you been doing this? I said, about 51 years. So I should have gotten better at it, but, you know, it's not that I'm an expert. It's just that I have experience. <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> Childlikeness. My, my granddaughter, Samantha, when she was probably three years old or so, uh, was here in this, in this room. And it was a kind of a wild service. I think God was doing great stuff. People were weeping and laughing and rejoicing and everything else all at the same time. And, and we had specifically, right, was getting towards the end of the evening, and you know, there was a lot of stuff going on and stuff on the platform. And we'd ask parents to be careful with their children so the children didn't get on the platform and get hurt. We didn't want them injured. So we specifically asked for that. And of course, the pastor's granddaughter, <laughs> right, is the one that goes running up onto the platform and touching everything. And I, I, I don't even know that I noticed it. Uh, but when I got home that night, I got a call from Samantha. And her dad had talked to her. You know, you need to, you need to talk to Grandpa. You need to talk to Papa. So she called me in her sweet little voice and said, Papa, I just want you to know I'm sorry that I did what you asked me not to do. And I said, you're forgiven, Samantha, it's okay. And she goes, all right. She just brightened up, all right, good night, Papa. What is that? That's a childlike acceptance of the embrace of the Father. That's how we need to be when we come to God. We're, we're so afraid, so afraid that we'll be rejected. So afraid that we'll be held off until we prove ourselves. And until we improve ourselves. And then, then we can get a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. The better we clean ourselves up. Can you imagine how this young man smelled when he came to the father? He just came out of the pig pens. There wasn't a hospice, you know, hospital place or a, a shower on the way. He came in his filth and the father embraced him, kissed him, couldn't stop kissing him. He didn't have to wait to clean up because the father had it all ready for him. He had the robe, he had the sandals, he had the ring. Wow. Wasn't waiting. And we need to get over this thing of proving ourselves to God. 
Does that mean he leaves us in that condition? No, he doesn't. That's the goodness of God. He's the one by his spirit that can draw us into all truth and help us understand how to move forward and how to live in a way that is so pleasing to him. But he does that in the gentleness of his call on our life. And he's not waiting for us to clean up. There's a place at the table. And this, I believe, repentance is turning into the embrace of the Father. And it's an embrace of love and forgiveness. It's an embrace of acceptance. And then, then the Holy Spirit comes along who is, a, is the great comforter. I love that word, but we so totally misunderstand it. Because we think it's, it's like, you know, like you want to do with somebody that's been hurt or they're, they're going through something, you just want to go, oh, I just feel so bad for you. I'm so sorry. I, I don't, I, you know, I, maybe I can't feel how you feel, but I just feel so bad for you. It's okay. Let's just cry together. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. He does know what we've been going through. He does understand how we got off track. He, he does know all of that. But his comfort is like this. I do understand. And I am sorry for what you've just been through. But you and I are gonna get up. And we're gonna move forward. And we're gonna do this together. When my daughter died, there were nights, boy, just tough nights. One night I came down, I tried to read the scripture and the scripture held nothing for me. Don't ever try to read anything into that statement than what I've just said. I love the word of God and it is our comfort often. But on that night, there was nothing there. I'd read through the Psalms, I tried, Proverbs, I tried, you know everything, nothing was comforting me. And I just sat back and there was a moment, oh, the glory of his presence. When I felt him sitting next to me and his arm around me. I don't remember words being spoken, but there was something more than just simple compassion being poured into me. It was strength. It was courage. It was comfort. Comfort doesn't leave you where you are. Comfort lets you know that you can get up and move on. Repentance is turning into the embrace of the Father. And I think this is what these students on the campuses are feeling, knowing, and experiencing. I mean, there's probably, there's more than that, I'm sure, but the language I'm hearing them talk as they speak about what God's doing in their lives, it's, it's that, it's that sense that I was awakened to the goodness of God. And I repented. I responded to that call. And now I'm experiencing God in a whole new way. That's what they're experiencing. 
It's what, it's what I experienced years ago. 20, more than 20 years in ministry. But realizing that there were still so many insecurities in me that were holding me back from that which God really wanted to do. And we got gobsmacked. There was a, an awakening. A repentance took place. As we repented of where we were going, acknowledged it's okay, but it's not the best. And I responded to that into the embrace of the Father and he helped me understand my insecurities and helped me walk through those things. The comfort of the Holy Spirit began to move me forward. We had uh, really began to experience some wonderful things in the Lord. Deb and I and others were praying for God's Move. Um, we were in a in a Celtic store in Grass Valley, and um, still struggling with a lot of insecurities and stuff. That what God was doing was bringing all that up. You know, when he when he begins to work in us, he brings stuff up. Doesn't bring it up to condemn us. He brings it up so that he can take care of it, help us with it. Uh, went into that store and Deb was shopping and I was just kind of waiting. Um, so I went to the counter. At the counter, they had a book there that was a book of all of these different uh, quotes from different families that they had adopted as their um, their family crest, their family quote mo- motto. And I was reading through it, really fascinating. And I came across one, and when I read it, my legs began to shake. And I had to hang on to the counter because I was, I was lo- losing my equilibrium. And up to that time, I'd been to all of the services where, you know, great stuff was happening. They pray for you, you fall down, you, you cry, you weep, you whatever. You know, you feel the presence of God in such a way that it, there were a lot of manifestations going on. And, but every time everybody would pray with me, I just go, mm, thank you, Lord. And I would receive. You know, I receive without that, and it's okay. It really is what was okay. But I was watching everybody else being really impacted and moving and shaking and everything happening to them, and I was just me. But God chose in a very public place. In a, not in a church service where it was expected at that time, but a very public place. And I, I, read, I read that thing and I thought, oh man, I, I, must, I must have eaten something. You know, all, the, all the natural explanations. So I kind of shook it off. I read it again. And I, the same thing happened. In fact, it got worse. I said, it's something about this. There's something in the atmosphere here. I got to get out of this, get out of this room. So I walked outside, stood on the street, and they have the beautiful lamp posts, you know, on, uh, along the street. They're a very quaint little town. And uh, I thought, whew, man, whew, man that, 
It must have been something coming through their air conditioning or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then I thought of that. And it hit me again. And hit me so hard I had to grab hold of the lampposts. I'm leaning against the lamppost like a drunk man. Sliding down the lamppost. God was confronting me. He was awakening me. And, and it was a Latin phrase, non inferior secutus, which means not having followed inferior things. And what he was doing in that moment was not condemning me for where I was walking. He was calling me to another place. And he said to me, that will be the thing that marks your family from this moment on. That will be the thing that will mark you. You will no longer go after that which is inferior. But you walk in that which is superior. I was repenting and it was wonderful. Stand up with me. Ministry team, worship team, please. Father's embrace. We're going to sing this song that uh, Katie and Paris wrote. Sang it this morning. And as we do, if you have misunderstood the goodness of God and have held yourself at distance because you just weren't sure what level of acceptance he was going to give you. If you realize that you have been standing in the back of the room where others have sat at the table Or you've never really come to Jesus. You never really knew what it was to know the love of the Father. Any of that going on in your life this morning. I want you to just move towards the front as we sing this song. And we're just gonna owe the glory. (laughs) Be in the glory of his presence and let him convince you of his deep, deep love for you and his goodness over you. Some in the room, you, you've been hearing his knocking and you're afraid to answer because your picture of God is this picture of one who needs payback. He paid it all at the cross. He's not waiting for that. 
He's just looking for you to come. Draw near. James said, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. That's really, the English language just does that a disservice. Because it really means you just look towards him and he'll run towards you. And the looking towards him is not because you're, you've, you've, you've suddenly got smart. It's because you've awakened to his goodness. And he's drawing you to new levels of understanding of that. Because I, I, would, I would wager that in probably most of our hearts, there is a place that we still withhold because we're not quite sure how God's going to re- respond. What an invitation's in the house today. Come to the Father. You think he's good? No, you don't understand how good he really is. But he wants to reveal his goodness to you. So the cry of Moses' heart, he said, reveal yourself. I want to see you. I want to see your glory. What did God say to him? I'm going to hide you because it's really, it's a lot. And he let his goodness pass before him. Because he knew if Moses could grab hold of the goodness, all the rest take care of itself. Let's sing. Sing that again. Sing that again. Let our praises rise, let our praises rise, let our praises rise. 
Here's how we're going to conclude our time this morning. We're not. Listen, you're, you're welcome to go, have obligations and things. We're just going to leave these altars available for times on your knees, standing, doesn't matter. But don't miss an opportunity. If you're feeling the draw of the Spirit, now's the time to respond. Whatever it is. One of the one of the great things I've learned in 50 years of preaching is that often people hear what I don't say. And it's a good thing because they're hearing the Spirit speak into their heart. And they'll say, boy, when you said such and such, I never said that. But I like it. And so the Lord, Holy Spirit's been speaking into your heart all morning long. Irrespective of what I've said. Respond to that. 
It's the beauty of repentance. Goodness of God is drawing you. So we're just going to let the worship team just... You got you got more energy in you? You got some... You get okay? Okay. I mean, we can turn some track on, but I, I love what you're doing. And we just leave this place as a place of prayer, a place of just embracing the Father this morning. It's okay to visit. That's fine out there too. Let's leave these areas here just open. Go when you need to. I love you so much. I love being with you. Thank you so much. Invite somebody to be here next week. It'll be powerful. Not because I'm speaking. I am. But it's not because of that. It's because he's in the house. Okay, God bless you.
It's beautiful.